0: Hi everyone. We hope you're having a good break and a great end to your year. The on-team is off, so we wanted to play you an episode from a colleague and friend, Preet Bharara's podcast, Stay Tuned. Here he is in conversation with author Mark Chisano, taking stock of George Santos and why there's so much grift in politics. From CAFE and the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is Stay Tuned in Brief. I'm Preet Bharara. George Santos's time in Congress came to an end on December 1st, after he was expelled over ethics violations. Santos still faces 23 charges in federal court, including for wire fraud, identity theft, and money laundering. As we all now know, he has lied over and over and over again about, well, everything. In a new book called The Fabulist, the lying, hustling, grifting, stealing, and very American legend of George Santos, Arthur Mark Chiasano does a deep dive on Santos and the life he built on lies. This didn't just start when he eyed a bid for the U.S. Congress. It's been a lifelong habit. So why does he lie? And what does Santos' election to such a powerful position say about our political system? Mark joins me to talk about his reporting and the stories about George Santos he uncovered along the way. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I guess my first question is, uh, and maybe it's an obvious answer, what drew you to this story such
1: that you decided to spend all the time and energy it takes to write a book? You know, Santos was always kind of a strange figure. Um, And I sort of encountered him in 2019 when I was writing for Newsday, and I was just doing kind of a very short little intro on him for our newsletter. And, you know, even in that first conversation, things were weird. He said that he was launching his campaign that very day, but he was actually in Florida at the time uh, on business. which is a very strange thing to be doing if you're running for a New York seat, right? And, you know, he said his, uh, his filings were about to come on online, but they weren't there yet. So, you know, we had all these questions. And I, I wrote about him here and there, you know, over the next few years, and he kept doing weird things. So always interested him in him as a figure. But even after kind of everything about him came out and he was fully exposed as a liar, I wasn't sure that this was a sort of story with staying power until he gets actually, uh, you know, put in his seat in Congress and isn't pushed out, right? And then I thought, oh, you know, something different is going on here, that this guy who's been lying and scheming to this level is staying in Congress and isn't able to put, be pushed out. That's saying something different about American politics.
0: It's interesting. you say it's saying something different about American politics when the subtitle of your book is the lying hustling grifting stealing and very american legend of George Santos. So is he different or is he very american in a, in a certain tradition of
1: lying? I think he's a very american figure. I think he is bringing a very old strain of a very old american tradition into the social media era of american politics. Um he you know he's different from other sort of Politicians who've gotten into trouble for one reason or another, I think, because he kind of does everything at an, at an 11. You know, it's not just that he makes up every single <laughs> not thing a about white himself. Lie. Yeah, it's not a white lie. It's also not, you know, a single lie. You know, I write in the book about Douglas Stringfellow, right, who is a post-war member of Congress, lied about his World War II record. Pretty quickly, uh, that gets found out while he's running for a reelection, and then he bows out, and he's kind of never heard from again. This is sort of like the opposite of the George Santos story, yeah. you know. First of all, that he brazen's through, and also that it's just like it's not one thing; it's not just volleyball.
0: Did you use brazen as a verb? I love that.
1: Yeah, I think I don't know. Am I allowed? Is that all right? I don't know. I'm gonna have to look it. <laughs> he brazen's through. I mean, you know, I the, think the other one that pretty direct. The other way I've been thinking about it is that he kind of keeps posting through too, you know, to use the social media term. So just to remind folks, we've been taking it as a
0: as a given that people are aware of the demonstrably proven lies that George Santos has told. Could could you give us just a rundown of the things we've heard in the press even before the vote
1: in Congress that he's known for lying about? Totally. One of the big ones is college degrees, right? Um he has admitted himself that he didn't go to college, um didn't complete college. He has also lied about having grandparents that fled the Holocaust. He has this kind of zany story about playing volleyball in college and being a championship volleyball player. He wasn't. He also has talked about um, being a a media person that he he worked at uh, Globo, which was kind of a big media outfit in Brazil. That wasn't true either. It's just kind of one thing after another with him. It's it's really it's, it's very hard to find the truth. I just,
0: I'm so confused about how he got elected and what kind of failings there have been in our system, as I said in the intro. Was there no vetting? I mean, if if this person had been selected to be a cabinet official or even, you know, a U.S. attorney or a district court judge, the vetting process would have found out about many, many of these lies. In the ordinary course, I guess, and there's no formal vetting agency for political candidates, nor should, should there be, but usually it's the press so let me, let me put to you the question I asked in the intro. What, what does it say about our system that he was able to get elected notwithstanding
1: his body of mendacity? I think that what's interesting about Santos is that he has so many kind of things wrong with him, has told so many lies that there actually were a lot of Questions raised about him before the campaign, um, you know, during his two campaigns, I was writing about some of these kind of sketchy uh, things that he had going on in his in his story. The Daily Beast did some really good stuff about his employment history, North Shore Leader. You know, there were sort of things out there, and even the D Triple C, the uh, campaign arm of the Democrats, that is kind of supposed to look into these things uh, for for their candidates. Yeah, you know, whoever they, was responsible for
0: Oppo research. Whoever was responsible for APO research on George Santos, and maybe it's someone I know, so I don't mean to cast dispersions, but boy, shouldn't they be taking a, taking a second look at their protocols?
1: So it's an interesting thing because I agree with you. They missed a lot. And I write in the book about how, for example, like one very easy one was the colleges. And that is something that. You can call, and colleges will uh, typically tell you, right? So that that was that was a big miss. Um, but they caught a ton of things. They found a lot of weird things about him. For example, his kind of sketchy pet nonprofit, which it turned out you know wasn't registered, and uh, that was like the beginning of um, the great finds that you know the New York Times had that uh, that sort of showed how kind of sketchy his background was. Um, They found a lot of things. The problem was that um, all these people that were kind of poking into Santos before he was elected didn't connect the dots, didn't say, oh, everything about this guy is wrong. It's not just that like five or six things are wrong. And that is why we have George Santos.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but do you you have a psychology degree?
1: I do not. No. (laughs) Do you
0: feel like, well, the the reason I'm asking, because it seems like this is not so much a political story. Or a um, a pop culture story. It's kind of a, a psychology story. Have you learned anything in the writing of the book about George Santos's mental state and whether he can be classified as having some kind of disorder, or is he just a dude who
1: lies? I did. I mean, you know, and we're we're sort of careful about armchair diagnosis these yeah, days, course. which I think is right. You know, um, so I'm I'm going to offer an armchair <laughs> diagnosis um, with the caveat that obviously I've not diagnosed him, um, but one sort of one thing that people have pointed me to in the mental health world is uh, something called Pseudologia Fantastica, which is basically the idea that um, someone might actually believe their own very lurid lies, something that is, you know, goes beyond something that you tell, a lie you tell for personal gain, mere personal gain. You know, it's sort of bigger than that. It's about heroism, something huge. It's often uh, people, talk, you know, make up stories about their war records, for example, and um, and I do think there's something like that sometimes going on with Santos. You know, I, I, it's funny. I, there's so many lies and I hear a new one every day, literally this morning. Since writing call. the book? That's true. Yeah, exactly. Oh <laughs> this Someone called me today. a um, person who had been trying to reach and hadn't been able to um, knew Santos on the campaign trail. And he told me this great story about how he was kind of friendly with Santos. Santos was very nice to his kids. And then comes over for dinner one night and uh, is just claiming that he knows a person that this individual uh, was mentioning, you know, uh, like an acquaintance of this individual. And Santos is saying, yeah, no, totally. I I, I know them. I'm connected to them. I'm fully, uh, fully aware. And he absolutely wasn't. You know, there was just no (laughs) way he knew this random guy. And the person who's calling me is saying, like, I pressed Santos. I sort of said... I know you're lying. Why can't you just admit it? And he just refused. So you and your book go back in time
0: to George Santos's childhood, and you even make mention of his own mother's observation. Can you talk about what, what this sort of long arc in history yeah. of his lying has been?
1: This has been a pattern with him. I think he's a man who's full of patterns. Um, he, he's he been kind of grifting for a long time. Uh, this was not something he started doing when he ran for Congress. Um, and the lies were there early on as well. I was told this wonderful line that his mother said, the way his mother described his lying, I think sort of says a lot about what he was doing. She said, you know, when confronted with the lie, she said something like, oh, Anthony and his stories, you know, his stories. And I do think that's kind of what they are. They're not just mini little quick lies that you misspeak and then you kind of keep going with it because you're embarrassed. They're very elaborate, lurid stories.
0: So there's another guy on the political scene who lies a lot, not quite in the same vein, but his name is Donald Trump and he's been proven to have lied again and again and again. Is there any relatedness between George Santos's aversion to the truth
1: and the way Donald Trump
0: misstates the truth or are they different?
1: I think there is. Um, There's one obvious similarity, which is that Sanchez himself models himself after Trump. You probably recognize it. Listeners recognize, you know, his speech patterns are kind of similar.
0: Somebody started throwing around five million. I didn't say five million. Somebody said five million. I think it might have been the Harvard report. There was a report from
1: Harvard. Uh, Actually studies point that most people lie on their resumes. It's just unfortunately it's it's the reality. yeah, but you lied about everything. well, not true. right You but, but, lied about your mom no, not true either, but she she, she was, uh, again she i died. never I never said my mother died on nine eleven. I never said that. That was never said. He types the same way. He even kind of steals the memes that uh, Trump uses sometimes for social media he was kind of following Trump around uh, during his early campaigns. He would uh, try to see him, see sort of the extended members of the Trump universe. When they cycled through Queens, he would film them and learn from them, I think. So he is sort of looking directly at Trump and seeing how he can uh, pattern himself after Trump. I also think that Trump kind of left some space for Santos, right? That, That these lies existed, that someone who was demonstrably lying And didn't face much, uh, you know, much accountability for it. I think that that kind of showed Santos, oh, I might be able to get away with this. But what's funny is
0: Santos didn't model himself after Trump, you know, as an initial matter, because as you said, he's been been lying and telling these Anthony stories from childhood. So, did he remake himself in some way when he decided to become a political figure? And after Trump came on the scene, did he use Trump as a convenient sort of parallel for himself? Because his lying precedes the rise.
1: Of Trump lying, I think that he has used the Trump bombast in a way Um, that that was a slightly different tone of lying, maybe than what he was doing earlier. Um, But I also think that he was—he was always pretty conservative. I would say Um, family members kind of indicated as much to me, friends who knew him early on. But he really kind of embraced some of the um, kind of MAGA positions, I guess, once Trump came on the scene and once politics became sort of the place to be in American culture.
0: You said something interesting recently sort of bearing on this theme, quote, what's interesting to me is the Santos story shows that even a regular person can be lying and shameless and get to office. And that is in some senses almost scarier than someone like Trump being able to do it, end quote. What, What did you mean by that?
1: Well, I think it's not that surprising if we step back a little and say, you know, how did Trump get to office, right? Sure, he was not qualified in the way that previous presidents have been, but he was well known around the country, right? He um, is a household name. He has this TV show. He doesn't have as much money as he says he had, but he has a decent amount of money, right? He can kind of, uh, he, he knows people who he can call to get more money as well. George Santos had none of these things, right? He had very, very little going for him. And yet he was able to kind of worm his way into the political system, by the way, also often by saying that he had money and by kind of making connections uh, in the financial world. And I think that is is a little bit different um, than the Trump case. Because Trump is not really replicable, you know? It's a little hard to run the Trump playbook without being Trump. But if George Santos can do it, that means others can as well. Is George Santos replicable? George Santos is truly, truly one of a kind in, right. in terms of like a character, I think, you know? I just think that people would get tired doing all the lies that he does. You know, I don't think you could sort of say, I'm going to be George Santos today.
0: Does he have any legacy? Like, what's the legacy of George Santos? Or, or his his ordeal and his expulsion.
1: I wonder if people look at him and say, wow, I'm surprised he lasted as long as he did. You know, I feel like right now we're sort of saying, well, at least he got pushed out of Congress. Uh, that sends a message. Yeah. But it was a long time. You yeah. Know? Well, that's, and,
0: that's a great question. I'm glad you raised it. I mean, was, was it possible that he could have survived this vote or was it inevitable once the ethics committee
1: came up with its conclusions, even in the face of this indictment? I think it was possible, you know, I was sort of reporting on the, you know, the like kind of a little bit of the vote count that morning, and it was not very clear that there were going to be enough votes to expel him. Republican leadership totally went the other direction, right, to protect him. And that was after this pretty, pretty wild House Ethics Committee report, right, which uh, had a lot more information.
0: To be charitable to the Republicans on this, was that almost exclusively because of the narrow margin? that they have in the house that they can't afford to lose even a crazy sociopathic liar.
1: Right. So I guess there, what they would say is that it was a question of precedent, right? And you don't want to push someone out before uh, convicting them. However, um, I think that the committee report really makes that argument problematic. Right. Because
0: that was a, those were conclusions, not allegations at that
1: point. They were conclusions, and they were conclusions based on bank records, right? This is not sort of just interviews that someone did. Yeah, I, I don't think it's crazy to have voted against
0: the expulsion of George Santos after the indictment, because we have the presumption and, you know, there's a sitting United States Senator of the other party who has been indicted on federal charges and he has not been expelled. So so I get that. And and, and obviously many members must have felt the same because there were two votes, were there not? Yeah, both sides George of the Senate aisle too. Yeah. This was not, this was a before bit the Yeah. 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 So so there were, there were a couple of votes that failed. This one succeeded. What do you make of the discussion, because I have a hard time with this, already Speculation about what George Santos's second act might be, and why should he have a second act, or should <laughs> everyone have a second act?
1: Well, it's a free country, right? And he's already, you know, incredibly, he's doing his second act already with cameo, apparently making a lot of money off it. I feel a little um, nervous that I may have incepted a uh, a second act into his head. <laughs> um, by someone asked me this question, and I I said Dancing with the Stars, and then another reporter told him that I said that. And he at first said, no, 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 certainly not. But then he thinks about it and says, well, if I need the money. You know? <laughs> so now I think that's in his head and he, uh, he's looking at that as well. You know, I feel like we have to remember how serious his legal challenges are, right? This is not a period that's going to last forever. So I think his second act will have to wait until after his, uh, his court date, right? His, his trial, if he gets that far.
0: Do you think people maybe didn't take this as seriously as they might have? This is just a theory on my part, mm. and you know, I don't know what you'll think of this because the guy kind of presents so comically in the first place. You mean, like when he was running, or after? Well, even after. I mean, he's—I don't, I don't, I don't quite know how to characterize it. He doesn't cut a scary figure, right? There's something kind of totally silly totally silly about it, it. It's sort of—he's he, kind of comes across like a silly man. Does that? Did that mitigate? the level of feeling and
1: anger about someone elected to Congress who lied so much? I think that's definitely right. There was this perception that, you know, somewhat victimless crimes. I I would push against that, right? Because there I write in the book about some victims. Right. Because they were so outland the lies were so
0: outlandish and it does reach the point of farce sometimes, right? It was
1: farcical. And he has a sort of he's a very charismatic man and it's a fun story, you know, I mean, I I wrote in the book about how he's in Brazil participating in a beauty pageant, you know, <laughs> this is kind of the the style of stuff that he's interested in. So that's a lot of fun. But, you know, and I wrote a piece about this a few weeks ago. While he was in Congress, he was continuing to do some sort of zany things that are different when you're in Congress versus when you're just a member of the public. He would go on X Spaces, which is this audio platform, and say some of the wildest things, like saying that we should move into a police state in the U.S. after the uh, Hamas invasion of Israel, you know, go door to door in this very vague way. These are things that are, I think, a piece of his, they're kind of part and parcel with his lying. And those things are not so fun. You know, it's not such a joke.
0: Did you learn something about human nature
1: in the course of writing this book? I think that it is harder to find out that someone's lying than I thought it was in the first place. You know, we all think we're really good judges of of liars, and I think that we're kind of not. Santos is a bit of an edge case, obviously, because he was lying about everything. But I spoke to so many people who sort of said that they wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, even after that they found out he was lying. It's just we can't believe that someone is going to keep lying to us over and over and over again.
0: Mark Chiasano, the book is The Fabulist, the lying, hustling, grifting, stealing and very American legend of George Santos. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me. For more analysis of legal and political issues making the headlines, become a member of the Cafe Insider. Members get access to exclusive content, including the weekly podcast I host with former U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance. Head to cafe.com slash insider to sign up for a trial. That's cafe.com slash insider. If you like what we do, Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Every positive review helps new listeners find the show. Send me your questions about news, politics, and justice. Tweet them to me at Preet Bharara with the hashtag AskPreet. You can also now reach me on threads. Or you can call and leave me a message at 669-247-7338. That's 669-24-PREET. Or you can send an email to letters at cafe.com Stay Tuned is presented by CAFE and the Vox Media Podcast Network. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The technical director is David Tattashore. The editorial producer is Noah Ozolai. And the CAFE team is Matthew Billy, David Kurlander, Jake Kaplan, Nat Wiener, and Claudia Hernandez. Our music is by Andrew Dost. I'm your host, Preet Bharara. Stay Tuned.